0: All right. Good morning, everybody. I'm uh, glad you're here this morning. Obviously, I'm not here. I'm hiking in the Grand Canyon. Hopefully, that's going well. It should be. Um, And uh, we're glad that you're here. John chapter 20, if you will. We've been looking at the Gospels in us. We've looked at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I wanted to kind of just pick up a little thing here in John. It's rather a big thing. And see how John, Matthew depicts the Lord Jesus as King. Mark depicts him as servant. Luke, the man. John now talks about him as being God. Matthew, the king, we want to know what he says. Mark is the servant, we want to know the work he can do. He can do the work. Luke, man, we want to know how he feels about things and his humanity. John, here's God. Again, John, no genealogy, no birth, no nothing. Why? Because God's always there. Who is he? John 20, verse 31. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So in John, what's John's goal? We'll get you over here to the fact that you're going to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You'll be in John 1. Verse 11 and 12, the, the whole core scope of the book is he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So in John, there's a lot of information. It, it, the, the, the theologians and the scholars and the Bible correctors all get all upset with John rather than leaving it alone. Uh, By the way, if you look over at John 19. John 19. And at Calvary, uh, verse 19, John 19, 19. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. That is the full title of of the placard that hung above the Lord's head, at Calvary. Now, Matthew will say, uh, well, let's look over there, uh, Matthew 27, Matthew 27, 37, Matthew 27, 37, and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Look at Mark, Mark 15. Mark chapter 15. The reason I'm thinking about it is we were just there Wednesday night. Mark 15, 26. And the superscription of his accusation was written, the king of the Jews. Again, Mark gets right to the point. Here's the issue, the king of the Jews. Now look at Luke 23. Luke 23. Luke 23, verse 38. And the superscription also was written, over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, the three major languages of the world of the day. This is the king of the Jews. But yet, what does John say? Jesus of Nazareth. Here's the full of it. Now, what what Matthew, Mark, and Luke do is they pull out their viewpoint and they use that piece. Mark, right to the point, king of the Jews. Matthew, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. But Jehovah, here he is. Who is he? He is Jesus of Nazareth, The King of the Jews. So when we look into John here this morning, and really just a kind of a a fun way is we begin to see Jehovah titles and the Jehovah name, the Jehovah titles. Literally in John, there's seven of them, and uh, you've got the today's references there, and those are there for you to have and and to look at, and you can peel them back and think about them. Uh, In John, there's only eight miracles. Seven of them are going to match the seven. Jehovah titles, they're going to match the seven feast schedules in, uh, in Leviticus 23. Then the eighth one is done after the resurrection. That's cast over, and, and they're beyond all that. And that one doesn't, that's eight, the new beginning, the new day. Here it is. So when you think about Jehovah and what Jehovah means, come back with me to Exodus uh, chapter 3. We'll start there, Exodus 3. And then we'll, we'll, we'll move along here uh, this morning. Exodus chapter 3. So when you think about Jehovah, and in your English Bible, Exodus 3, you're going to see where it's, you're going to have that word Jehovah. It's going to equal, it's going to be the same word as Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the caps. But then you're going to see Lord God together. So when you see a capital L, lowercase o-r-d, but then capital G-O-D, that's Jehovah the Father. Then when you see capital L-O-R-D and then capital G, little o-d, that's Jehovah the Son. And they do that in the translation so that you understand who's talking and what's going on. But when you talk about Jehovah, it starts here in Exodus 3, Exodus 3, uh, verse 13 and 14. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me. So, what then? Come over to Exodus 6. So then, what does Jehovah mean? It means I am fill in the blank. I am whatever you need me to be. Exodus 6, verse 2. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Now again, you see that capital L-O-R-D. I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. I, that's who I am. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. All right, so prior to Moses, how did, who did they know? They knew God Almighty. Now he wants them to know what? Jehovah, I am provider, fill in the blank. So literally now what begins to happen in, in Exodus specifically is that now we begin to see this Jehovah title come in. We begin to see a Jehovah compound. Now, go back to Genesis 22, just so you can see it outside of Exodus, Genesis 22. And my goal isn't to teach the Jehovah names, but just to draw your attention to them to be here. Notice G- Genesis 22. Uh, now that we have a completed Bible, a full revelation. We now understand Genesis 22 in a deeper manner than Abraham and Isaac ever did, that Moses ever did in writing it. It is a great picture of the cross work of Calvary, the only son. We're going to go, we're going to come back, the resurrection, and so forth. If you look at 22.8 in the story, Abraham said, Isaac is asking, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. Now, notice how he's, God will provide himself a lamb or God will provide himself, what, a lamb. So God's, what is, God's going to provide. Now look at verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is in the day, as it is, said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. What does he do? I will do. I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide the Passover lamb. I'm going to provide this. So you've got this this connection here. The Lord will provide. Uh, If you look there, just to show you, these aren't, look at Exodus 16. I just want to show you the names, if you will. Uh, Exodus 16. 16, on your way, stop in 15, Exodus 15. If you look there at verse 26, the end of the verse, he says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's Jehovah Raphaqui, okay? Uh, Chapter 16, verse 1, uh, and so, uh, let's see. Oh. well, that's not the one, so that's how you go. 17, how about that one? Seven, chapter 17, verse 15. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. That's the one I was looking for. Why? What happened? Well, they've just defeated uh, 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 Amalek, starting back up at verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel. And what happened? Moses' hands were heavy. He holds, keeps his hands up. Joshua comes, Aaron and all of them. They heard, they, they help. Joseph wins the battle. I am you, I'm the Lord, your conquering hero. That, and that again, that is the issue of Jehovah Nisi. So when you think about the Jehovah compound names, they fit in Israel, but they're also going to be over here in John, just as John says, yes, he is king. Yes, he is servant. Yes, he is man. But also, yes, he is Jehovah. That's who he is, and he's going to do this. Now, come over to Leviticus 23. And just, again, quickly here, I don't. I, I, I struggled with how much to get into this with you on a Sunday morning, and, but I just want you to see the Feast of Jehovah, Leviticus 23. In Israel's program, because of the law, the old covenant, the covenant, the law of Moses, they had a redemption calendar okay? It starts verse 4. These are the Feast of the Lord. By the way, the Feast of who? The Feast of the Lord, the Feast of Jehovah. Last week we saw in John where it was the Feast of the Jews and the Jews' Passover. It should never have been that. It should have been the Lord's Passover, the Feast of the Lord's. Why? If they were right, if they were operating and functioning properly, it would have been who? The Feast of the Lord. But it weren't. Now it's the Jews' religion, that vain religious system where they've come in and they've got it all mixed up and messed up. So Verse 4, these are the Feast of the Lord, even Holy Convocation, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. In the 14th day of the Lord, uh, I'm sorry, of the first month, at even is the Lord's Passover. So the first month, that's April, Nisan, Abib, they call it, it, it rough, roughly represents out our April. The 14th day, the feast schedule starts. And it's going to run out, uh, really, uh, chapter 23, uh, you have, it runs out through the seventh month, okay, so it goes, and then there's a three-month gap, and then it finishes on the seventh month, so you have some time. The first pass, the first of the feast is Passover, okay? That's, the, by the way, the first four of these feasts have already been fulfilled. Calvary, Pentecost took care of it. Then the back three, the last three, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles, haven't happened yet. That's going to be out in the, in the future. So Passover, there's the cross. There's Jehovah Jireh. I will provide. I'll provide the Passover lamb. Then you have the unleavened bread. There's Jehovah Rapheki. There's his burial. There's no corruption. There's no condemnation. There's none of that there. He's good to go. There's Jehovah Rafeki, the one that heals. Then you have first fruits, There's the resurrection. He's the first from the dead. There's Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. There he is. Then you have the issue of, of Pentecost, and you have Jehovah Ra. There's the shepherd showing and leading and guiding and influencing and doing. Then you have trumpets. Now, trumpets in your scripture are used really in two major manners. One, the regathering of the, the gathering up of the camp, and then the moving out of the camp. So what do we have? We have the gathering up of the men of war and moving Israel to war. And there we have Jehovah Nisi, our banner. So, because trumpets, we're going to have the regathering of Israel. Then atonement, there's the second coming. And that's Jehovah Tedescu. Our righteousness, the Lord our righteousness, our atonement, there He is. And then the last one is tabernacle, and that's the millennial kingdom, and that's going to be Jehovah Shema, our ever present, the Lord our ever present. And that's what we have here, and we got this great picture here. Now come with me to the book of John, because in John we have these show up as well. And when you come to John, You've got seven titles that are going to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is Jehovah. And again, they're going to match up with the feast schedule, Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, Trumpets, Atonement, Tabernacles, and so forth. So I just wanted to show you these in John. Now, I'll try not to go fast, but we'll have to go a little quicker than than slow. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We have a great discussion here about the good shepherd. Uh, the, the, there's three shepherds the good, the great, and the chief shepherd, all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in John 10, verse 11, he says, I am. And all of these are going to start that way I am. I am what? I am the good shepherd. For the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. If you draw your eye across to verse 14, I am the Good Shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. The Good Shepherd. What does the Good Shepherd do? He gives his life for his sheep, that he's the Passover lamb. He becomes just that. He's the good Shepherd. I'm going to come and do now what needs to be done. So there he is. How do we know that Jesus Christ is Jehovah? He just said it, I am. The good shepherd. I am, fill in the blank. What do, what do you need me to be? You need me to give my life for you. You need that. You've got to fix that issue. See, Come over to chapter 6 of John. John chapter 6. Look at verse 35. John 6, 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Notice that I am the, the what? The bread of life. Verse 36, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Verse 41. The Jews then murmuring at him because he said, I am the bread which come down from heaven. Verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Now that's going to match up with the feast of the unleavened bread. Why? Because unleavened, no corruption, no sin. Paul says, for he he who made him to be sin who knew no sin there's the unleavened bread no corruption free to go good deal then you have chapter 11 you have first fruits by the way if on your way to chapter 11 stop in chapter 8 and verse 58 Jesus said unto him verily verily I say unto you before Abraham was I am <laughs> there it is okay uh, John chapter number 11 John chapter 11 notice if you will verse 25 John 11:25 Jesus said unto her I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die believest thou this what is he he's the first fruits he's the resurrection and the life Jesus Christ is the first to raise from the dead, stay risen, and he's going to demonstrate that victory over death and the grave and that last enemy. But for Israel, what is he? He is, I am, he is that issue there of of being Jehovah, Shalom, the peace. That's who he is. He's the, so not only is he Jehovah Jireh, he's going to provide the Passover lamb. No, long, no, no uh, Also, he's Jehovah Rebekah. He's the one that's going to heal him because he has no corruption. There's no sin there. He's perfect. He's unleavened. Now he's Jehovah Shalom. He's peace. Why? Because we have resurrection life. We have victory over death and the grave and the enemy. We don't have to worry about it. We've got peace there. Now come back to chapter 10 of John. John chapter 10, verse 7. Here's the next one. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now that's interesting. Because right up above that, he just said, verily, verily, verse 1, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door, verse 3, to him the porter, that's John the Baptist, openeth, see, verse 2, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The door here is water baptism. The one opening the door is John the Baptist. But then in verse 7, he says what? I am the door... Of the sheep, Pentecost, the door into the little flock, the door into the millennial kingdom is who? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I'm going to go, if Israel is going to go into the millennial kingdom and go into the kingdom, what do they have to do? They have to go into who? Christ. But how do they get into Christ here? By being baptized of John's baptism. See? He's the true nation. He's the true I am. Look over at John 15, because here's the next one, if you will. He's uh, he's the door. He's he's Jehovah-Ra. He's the shepherd, the Lord our shepherd. He's the one that's going to get us in. And if I want to get in, then I got to get into him. Why? Because he's the bread, he's the life, he's the resurrection, he's the good shepherd, he's everything, he's the Passover, he's supplied the meal. And I got to go to get in. Then in John 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Look at that. I'm the true vine, the true vine. I'm the true nation. The vine tree in, in Scripture represents israel's national life and he says listen if if you're going to get in there who is he he's the true vine he's he's jehovah nisi he's our banner he's our conquering hero he's everything he's exactly what needs to be and who we need to be this vine is very fascinating come back to isaiah isaiah chapter 5 and and i know we're going a little quicker than normal And I understand that, and I apologize for that. But you have the references, and you can see them as we go here. But what I need you to understand is is John, seven times here, he's going to say, I am, I'm Jehovah Jireh, I'm Jehovah Rebekah, I'm Jehovah Shalom, I'm Jehovah Ra, and I'm Jehovah Nisi. I'm here. I am Jehovah. Look at Isaiah 5. Notice, by the way, verse 1, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard and a very fruitful hill. Verse 7, For the vineyard of the Lord, there's Jehovah, of hosts, is the house of Israel and the men of Judah. So who's the vine? Who's the vineyard? It's Israel. It isn't you. It isn't I. It isn't the church, the body of Christ. It isn't any of that. It's who? It's Israel. And the men of Judah, his pleasant plant, and he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but beheld a cry. He's planted a vineyard in Israel. Jesus Christ says, I'm the true vine. I'm the true nation. Because he's standing, come over to Hosea chapter 10, Hosea, so you've got Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Hosea chapter 10, because he's standing in the middle of an empty A nation in apostasy and a nation that's rejected him. See, Isaiah 10, verse 1 Israel is an empty vine. He's empty. There's nothing there. He's now in the bramble bush. See, he bringeth forth fruit unto himself according to the multitude of his fruit. He hath increased the altars according to the goodness of his land. They have made goodly images. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. What in the world is going on? The Lord says, go back there to John 15. I am the true vine. I'm the true nation. And we're living in a false nation. We're living in an empty vine now. Now, 15.2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it might bring forth more more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Look at what he's doing here. He says, I am Jehovah. And you got to get in me. How do you get in me? You come in through the path. You come in through me. I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down for you. I've given you this unleavened bread. I'm the bread of life. No man, you're gonna. There's no corruption in me. There's no sin in me. I have that demonstrated by the being the first fruits of resurrection. I have victory over death and the grave. I, I am also the door into this. I'm the mechanism whereby you're going to get into the kingdom over here in the millennial kingdom. I am the true nation. I am the true vine. Verse 6, and if any man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. The judgment's coming. The, sec- the tribulation the 70th week of Daniel is coming, and if you're in the wrong place, if you're in the wrong nation, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to get skinned alive. You're going to perish. And he's not talking to Gentiles. He's talking to the nation of Israel. He's talking to that remnant out there. He's talking to the nation, that apostate nation out there. And, there, and he's literally telling them that that, na- that false apostate nation is going to get cast into the lake of fire. And that's exactly what the tribulation is all about. The 70th week of Daniel. Come back, if you will. E- Ezekiel 20. Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel 20. The the, the, the 70th week of Daniel. You got Ezekiel 20. Hold on to that and get Daniel 9. Ezekiel 20 and Daniel 9. We'll go to Daniel 9 first. Daniel 9. You look here at Daniel 9. Daniel 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish. The transgression, to make an end of sins, to make a reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in the everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most highly. Wait a second. The 70th week of Daniel, over there, what's it designed for? It's designed, it's coming upon thy people, Israel, and upon thy holy city, Jerusalem. That's where it's going. That's the intensity of it. Ezekiel 20 and verse 37. Ezekiel 20, verse 37. And I will cause you to pass under the rod. Isaiah 10 says that that rod is the Antichrist. And I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. And I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn. And they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. And in John 15, that's what he's telling them. He's telling them there's gonna be an there's gonna be an Antichrist, there's gonna be apostasy, they're gonna try to sneak in here and and pollute you guys and mess you guys up. And if you're not where you belong, where you should be, you're gonna get messed up. You're gonna get eliminated. You're you're gonna get in trouble. So let's be where we need to be. Now come back to John because we got two more. John 14. So you've got Jehovah Jireh, the good shepherd. You've got Jehovah Refractor, the bread. You've got Jehovah Shalom, the resurrection and the life. You've got Jehovah Ra, the door. You've got Jehovah Nisi, the the true vine. And now you're going to have Jehovah Tadiskanu. In 14.6 where he says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the true and living way. That's going to line up with the Feast of Atonement. That's going to line up with that issue where he's going to be coming back in his second coming and he's going to establish the new covenant. But notice here the true, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now hold on to John 14 and just run over to Hebrews 10 real quick. Hebrews 10 because Hebrews the writer of Hebrews says it this way Hebrews 10 verse 20 Hebrews 1020 verse 19 having therefore brethren the boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh because of the because of the death of and burial, and resurrection of Christ for Israel, what is now able to be established with them? A new and living way. A John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now, that's not for you and I. Now, the principle is, but the verse isn't. You see, folks, he's the way because he's the truth. He's the truth Because he is the life. He's the life, because he's the life, he's then the new and living way. No man's gonna get to the Father but through the new covenant moving forward. No man's gonna move, no man's coming to the Father under the old covenant, under the old system. That's decaying away, that's gonna be replaced. Now it's the new covenant. Now we're over here doing this. We're not doing that, we're doing this now. See? So you've got him as Jehovah. To just our right, the Lord our righteousness. Here's our atonement. Why? Because He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's Jehovah. John 8, the last one of the seven. John 8 and verse 12. And here's the, the last. This is Jehovah uh, Shammah, Sh- 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 the ever present. Here's the Feast of the Tabernacles. Here's the end goal. Here's the Millennial Kingdom where it's literally going to be the days of heaven on earth, where it's literally going to be Emmanuel, God dwells with humanity, creation. John 8 and verse 12, he says, Then Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. There it is. The ever-present light. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Come over to chapter 9 of John, chapter 9 and verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Night in your scripture is tribulation, trouble, turmoil all the time. Verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now come back to Isaiah and notice it back here and what we're talking about, what John's talking about. Isaiah uh, 59. You see, folks, in John, the seven titles are demonstrating that in Jesus Christ, you're going to have and find the full, complete fulfillment of all of the prophetic scriptures. At every say, the first four of the feasts: Pentecost, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, all been fulfilled. Passover, sorry. Calvary took care of that. Pentecost took care of that. Trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles is yet to come. He's interrupted it, and here we go. Isaiah 59, if you start in verse 20, and the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from right from, from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. There is the day of atonement. There is the second coming. There is the establishment and the implementation of the new covenant. He's going to put his word in their mouth and it's never going to leave them. It's never going to depart. They're good to go. Verse 60, chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness to people, but the Lord, Jehovah, shall arise upon them, and and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to thy brightness of thy rising. Here's the millennial kingdom. But notice what's happening in the earthly ministry. Who's walking amongst them in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Jehovah is. Drop down to chapter, uh, I'm sorry, to verse 19. Verse 19. The sun shall be no more thy light by day neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee but the lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light and thy god thy glory the sun shall be shall no more go down neither shall thy moon withdraw itself for the lord shall be thy everlasting light and the days of thy morning shall be ended again in the kingdom the presence of, of the glory of the lord so bright you can't even see the sun and he says, "I am the light of the world." That's who he is. Now, come back over to Acts chapter nine. Christ in Israel's program never completes the 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 the. He never completes the the statement. He says, "I am fill in the blank." What do you need me to be? Do you need me to be your 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 provider? Got you. You need to me to heal you. They're going to heal the the bitter waters. I got you. You need me to be your righteous. You need to be your your banner, your shepherd. Do you need to you, you? need me to to be the one to sanctify you. You need to be the Lord of Hosts. You need to be the Lord of the Most High. Whatever you need me to be, I'll be that, because I am Jehovah. I. But in Acts nine, he does complete the sentence, and when you come to Paul for the very first time, the sentence is completed with a personal pronoun with his personal name so that that identification is there. Acts 9, Saul of Tarsus is on the road. Verse 4, he fell to the earth, heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And for the very first time, the apostle Paul I'm sorry, the Lord Jesus Christ fills in the blank. He doesn't say, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah, I am that I am, which is what he said to Moses. He isn't that, he just simply says, I am who? I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. And and again, if you come over to 1 Timothy chapter 1, in closing, 1 Timothy 1, if you look at verse 15, what is, Paul say, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Chapter 2, verse 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So guess what we've got? We've got one more gospel to go to complete the picture to, to be able to see and appreciate who the Lord Jesus Christ is in all of his fullness. We see Matthew, king. We see Mark, servant. We see Luke, the man. We see John, deity, God. And now we're going to see from Paul the greatest, the full picture, the deep meaning of it all and who he really is. And Paul says it, if you will, if you give me one more verse. <laughs> Come over to chapter 6 of 1 Timothy and verse 15. 1 Timothy six fifteen, Which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's who he is. Our dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospels. We thank you for the ability to look into them and to study them and to think through them and to enjoy them and to rejoice in them and to give you the ultimate glory in the end. In your name we pray, amen.